0: Right from the beginning, this guy's been about breaking conventions. Picture the situation. After their company Rare was acquired to a 49% stake by Nintendo, brothers Chris and Tim Stamper granted the rights to make a fully fledged Donkey Kong standalone title. With the help of their assembled team of 12 developers, the studio had 18 months to work on making a wholly original and innovative game without the inclusion of Shigeru Miyamoto as a producer or developer. And boy, did they make it work. With over 9 million copies sold worldwide, the game still stands as the third best-selling Super Nintendo game of all time, just behind Super Mario World and All-Stars. I mean, heck, this game even outsold Mario Kart back in its day. If I told you today that a Donkey Kong Country game was flying off shelves faster than a Mario Kart title, you'd ask me to pack my things and leave in the morning, which I couldn't even argue with you about. It's just that crazy. Now, while these sales can be attributed to the revolutionary work the studio did with their 3D-rendered sprites from their Silicon Graphics technology or the aggressive marketing campaign that the game received, the critical acclaim that DKC garnered can only be attributed to sheer innovation and clever game design, which the title had in spades. One of the biggest additions that Rare threw into the burgeoning franchise was the game's big bad villain, King K. Rool. Instantly becoming a staple among the ranks of Bowser and Ganon as an all-star Nintendo baddie, K. Rule has certainly had his fair share of memorable boss fights. But while I could talk about the multi-round and multi-character boxing match of Donkey Kong 64, or the blunderbuss brawl of Diddy's Conquest, or even whatever this is from Donkey Kong Land. It looks like you're playing a game out of salt and pepper. I decided to focus today's video on his final boss fight in the original Donkey Kong Country. Now, surface level, this fight isn't very hard or complex. With slow-moving attacks like his crown toss or the easily memorable pattern of the dropping cannonballs, there's truly not much challenge to this fight when you get down to the nitty gritty of it. However, that's not the reason this fight becomes so memorable. After jumping on his noggin a few times, the croc painlessly goes down and the player is just treated to a little thumbs up from Donkey Kong, acknowledging their hard work. And just as you see the credits start to scroll and you set down your controller to the side of you, you start to think back on all the good times and wholesome memories from the adventure you just finished with the game, you start to notice something just out of place with the credits. There seems to be a lot more K's in the staff role than usual. Then, just as your eyes focus back into this change, the battle resumes to another phase of the King K. Rool fight, and you're left to scramble for your controller in the couch cushions before you get hit. Now, what makes this such a memorable moment to me is how the game is able to subvert players' expectations. And while there are other examples of video game boss fakeouts, such as Bayonetta's Jubileus the Creator's multi-level destruction, or the credits interruption at the end of the NES game Monster in My Pocket, Donkey Kong Country rises above these in my mind for how it cleverly incorporates the game's more mundane features into a part of the action. By spreading into other parts of the game that are typically written off or not included in the main gameplay, this fight is able to create a strong reaction with the player by subverting the expectations of how a boss battle plays out. For example, if I were to ask you the most memorable aspect of Eternal Darkness, you would likely answer the game's coveted sanity effects, which can cause disruptions, such as pretending to switch video inputs on the TV, or even faking deleting your save data. Yeah, that's how serious that game was. It actually pretended to delete every single save data you had in that game just as a joke. GameCube was absolutely brutal. And the reason these moments stick out so much is because the game breaks typical video game conventions by extending to aspects we typically take for granted. While these might seem fourth wall breaking and ruining the immersion, they serve to form a deeper connection between the player and the actual game itself, rather than just its story conclusion. Because of this, I think the main takeaway from King K. Rool's boss fight is to not be afraid to bypass typical expectations of how boss fights or even games are supposed to work. But just know that whatever surprises you possibly put into your boss battles, they will never be as shocking as this guy finally making it into Smash.